on this week's Against the Grain, the MVP who's not a quarterback, plus are the Chiefs the team to beat? Hmm. We are cutting against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Now your host for Against the Grain. Here's Andrew Perloff. Welcome to Against the Grain. I'm your host, Andrew Perloff, here as always with Mario Miranda and Marvin Prince, producer team extraordinaire. Wait, what's your, what's your guys' titles at the Dan Patrick Show? Share a little bit about yourself. Uh, I am associate. I think I'm an associate producer. I think that's my official title. Here. Okay. Marvin? On oh, my taxes, it says audio editor. Audio <laughs> editor. You don't look happy about that. No, it's all, it's all good. No, the way my paycheck... The way my paycheck is set up, I am quite all right with audio editor. Yeah, yeah. I believe me. They can put anything they want as long as the paycheck comes. What's, now, your, wait, what's your title officially? I, so it's so funny you say that. I I was looking at an official form from uh, basically behind – and it called me an executive producer, which I've never been before. Somebody called me executive producer. By the way, Marvin, you used to produce the Golic Jr. show? Or what did you do with that show? Yeah, so I was like – an associate producer and a board op for Robin Lundberg yeah. and uh, Michael Oleg Jr. before I was kicked to the curb on the greener pastures here. But yeah, that's what I used to do at uh, the mothership. Yep. So, and Mario, what shows did you produce before the Dan Patrick show? Uh, none. This is my first job. Yeah, you actually, Ever. and you started here producing breakfast. You were the breakfast oh, producer. Oh, the breakfast coordinator. Yep, now, <laughs> now I'm the Emirates uh, breakfast coordinator. All right, let's get to some football. We could go down the path of the wildlife stories the three of us have in this room. I mean, they're pretty incredible. <laughs> You're probably going to get the book someday. Okay, you guys notice this year the MVP, NFL MVP is like everything. It's the, every, so we're not, since we're against the grain, we're not going to look at it like everyone else does. You know, first of all, there's two awards, the MVP and the Offensive Player of the Year. They're often different. That is the dumbest thing in all of sports. Because if the MVP is a quarterback, like, say, Tom Brady, how can he not be Offensive Player of the Year? He's not doing anything on defense. So he has to be both, right? Yeah, I mean, what exactly do they measure each award on? That's that's my always my biggest question. That's a quite, That's the same thing I just said, Mario. That wait, Marvin, did that add anything what Mario just said? No, not one bit. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, but you asked it in quite... Anyway, okay. <laughs> so so here's, here's my topic off the MVP. Yeah, yes, Marvin. Sorry. In my mind, I feel like the MVP is for the quarterback and the offensive player of the year is for the running back. Or, the, or Michael Thomas. Or right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. So we're going we're gonna to make an argument, and I'm going to ask you guys to sort of evaluate my case for five non-quarterbacks for MVP. Give me thumbs up or thumbs down. Preferably in some verbal form. Yeah. That's what yeah, we'll say. say thumbs up or thumbs down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You'll say, okay, uh, for these five guys. So I'll give the argument. These are, I use the Vegas odds, of the five highest odds for non-quarterbacks to win the MVP. Now, if you look at the odds, by the way, it's Russell Wilson one, Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, dot, dot, dot. The first non-quarterback on the Vegas list is Dalvin Cook, Vikings running back. So we'll start with him. I think Dalvin Cook, you can make a legit argument he is the MVP of this league. If the Vikings make the playoffs, it's totally 2012 Adrian Peterson all over again. He's averaging 147.3 yards from scrimmage per game. The dude, he uh, he's already missed a couple games, and he's leading the league in rushing. The last four games, I think he's run for 680 yards. I mean, 
if they keep doing this and Vikings make the playoffs, I don't even need to make a strong case here. He's definitely like MVP conversation. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Hmm. Thumbs up. Easily. It's not even. I mean, he's leading yeah. the league in, in touchdowns no. by far, isn't he? Right. He's like thumbs up and like, I kind of expect you to say a little more after that. Like, yeah, yeah you're that's what I'm saying. So he he leads the league in MVPs. If it wasn't for him, Kirk Cousins, I think, would be the biggest, the worst contract ever. Yeah. I think he I think still he'd is. Be, he is, but he gets a little bit of slack because they they went a little bit because of Dalvin. Dalvin had, what, four touchdowns the week before, two this week. The guy, the guy is nasty. He's the only reason that offense is really surviving right now, right? No, I'm with you completely, Dalvin Cook. I think he's in my top five MVP regardless of record. I think he is just going off. And, man, good for him. I don't think he'll get the MVP award because he has to do something ridiculous a la Adrian Peterson right. in 2012. But he should definitely get some consideration no matter what the Vikings record is. Real quick counterargument. When Alexander Madison comes in, he's pretty badass too. So... I wonder if it's part of the system. And they're not going to run. They can't afford to let him have all these carries because he's injury prone. So they're going to pull him back. I don't think he wins for that reason. In that week, though, that he was out, or he, he was recently out, and Alexander Madison didn't put up the same numbers that uh, Dalvin had. No, but you know what I'm talking about. He comes in and he'll break a tackle the line. He's pretty good. And he sounds like Alexander Hamilton when you say it. <laughs> okay, uh, next case. A wide receiver, Devontae Adams, Green Bay Packers. Now, he missed a couple games, but he is the first receiver on Vegas' MVP odds. And I think this is mainly because he's awesome. I mean, I'm looking at his game log here. Week one, he had, or sorry, yeah, week one, 156 yards against the Vikings. Huge win. Then in week seven, he had 196 yards. Last week, he had 173 yards, 10 catches. Is it Aaron Rodgers or is him? But I think there's a little bit of him. Have you ever seen anyone on the sideline? That dude's body control on the sideline, everyone's good at that now. Mm. He's the best. I'm wowed just by, like, forget the numbers are huge, just eyeballing that guy. The catches he makes are crazy. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs down. I don't know if I'd put him ahead of uh, some other guys. Like, based on the fact that Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback, is that your biggest? Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback. He's missed a couple games like you alluded to. Um, he, he's great. He's, you know, I, I mean, he's probably the only real weapon that – Aaron has, but I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, Robert Tunyon has had a great season because of Aaron Rodgers. God, I, mean. I love when you announce that, uh, when you pronounce that the right way. What do you think, Marvin? Yeah, I'm gonna have to say thumbs down. Also, not because Devontae isn't amazing, because he is, but same thing. It's Aaron Rodgers. It's almost like, you know what? Like Heisman vote. Yeah. Like you'd have to just split them between two guys that yeah. are doing great, but then you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers. You like Devontae is not getting the ball from Josh Allen. He's getting it from Aaron Rodgers, who's always going to get MVP votes, you know, no matter what, if he's putting up the numbers like he is now. So Devontae's just not going to get those numbers because the MVP is always going to go to a quarterback, and your quarterback's Aaron Rodgers. Yep. So, yeah. sorry. Well, that leads to the next case, our third non-quarterback MVP candidate. This isn't on everyone's list, but he's strongly on mine. DK Metcalf, wide receiver, Seattle Seahawks. Again, how do you separate him from Russell? But he's second in the league in, rece- in receiving yards. And he's only behind Stefan Diggs, by the way. He's a different kind of receiver. The thing is, what has changed in Russell Wilson's uh, system other than they uh, developed receiver like DK Metcalf? All of a sudden, Russell Wilson's numbers look nothing like any Russell Wilson season of all time. So you could argue the How difference so? is 
dude, he's on pace for 58 touchdowns. He's never he's never been like a Peyton Manning kind of. Uh, his stats are so far and above anything he's ever put up in his career. He's always had a crazy passer rating, and he's had a lot of touchdown passes. This year is insane. He's putting up more yards by, I don't have in front of me, like 30% more than he's ever put mm-hmm. up. What's the difference? They're running the ball less, but part of that is because they have DK. And I think he is, I think he can make a legitimate case he's the best receiver in the league. I love Devontae too. Mm-hmm. I think he's the best receiver in the NFL. Yeah, thumbs up. Uh, I think the thing with DK is he makes those highlight plays, right? So you see him uh, on Twitter and social media where he's, you know, Chase, even though this wouldn't be, I guess, necessarily factored into an MVP vote, but he's making that play running down um, uh, Buda Baker. He's jumping over receivers, grabbing touchdowns. I mean, he's just a monster, and he's kind of like that freak of nature type player where just visually watching him, like all, all stats aside, I mean, he is up there in stats. That would make an effect, I think, in somebody voting for him. Like, yeah, yeah. So you're saying him. you're saying he could get in because of that. Yep, yeah, yep. get into the conversation. Yep. I agree with that. I'm gonna say thumbs down, and not because I don't think DK Metcalf is having a phenomenal year, but it's the same thing like Devontae Adams. It is hard. Like, if he didn't have a top notch quarterback, I would give him more of an opportunity or more of a chance to get the MVP or get MVP votes. But it's so difficult. And you know what? I'm really just happy for DK Metcalf because he's more than just a guy who takes his shirt off and mm. is just statuesque. DK Metcalf, sorry. Thumbs down for MVP votes. I think the biggest difference between DK and Devontae is exactly what I said earlier. It's just, I mean, Devontae has been hurt a couple games this year. And DK just has those highlight plays that you're like, yeah, I've seen him on uh, social media a couple times. Yeah, but he's second league in receiving yards. Yeah, and then you factor that in yeah. as well. And yeah, you look yeah. at his numbers and those yeah. two things, I think that makes him a great candidate. Okay, let's look at we're at three down, two to go. We have to put in a defensive player because, Duh. Mm-hmm. you know, you always have to, as against a grain guy, you have to argue because it's ridiculous that half the side of the ball is just left out of the MVP candidate. Unfortunately, you can't say anything contrarian about who – the MVP candidate is on the defensive side of the ball because he is every year. He leads the league in sacks from an interior draft position. Uh, he is the most dominant defensive player we've seen in some time. I, of course, am talking about Snacks Harrison. No, I'm talking about Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> talking about, <laughs> talking about <laughs> yeah, Aaron Donald. Uh, so it's interesting. He is the front runner for defensive player of the year again in Vegas. And he's also the only person listed on the odds for MVP from the defensive side of the ball. Here are some of the other defensive player of the year candidates right behind Donald. And this one's a legit. TJ Watt, dude, he is blowing up games. With Bud Dupree on the other side, I, I, I give full credence to TJ Watt right behind him. And they're 8-0. Yeah, they're 8-0. Mm-hmm. And not because, ben, and not because the offense has been so dominant. Yep. Next is Miles Garrett has big sack numbers. No. Next is Cleo Mack. No, because the Bears aren't good enough, but he's amazing. Here's an interesting one. The fifth listed person in defensive player of the year odds, Cameron Hayward. He's pretty good, man. He got hurt the other day and it really panicked. Another interesting one on here, Buda Baker. Uh, we know him because he got chased down by DK, but he had that big primetime game. That guy is a baller, Arizona. And Fred Warner, the linebacker on the Niners, is starting to get mm. a lot of love. One Minka Fitzpatrick, that dude is everywhere. Like he is either like the Forrest Gump of defense that he just happens to be around mm. the ball, or he's that good. So I think there's some interesting guys, but Aaron Donald, clear uh, non-quarterback MVP candidate. But my number one non-quarterback MVP candidate, who I would actually strongly consider giving a vote to, 
He is a running back who wears a funny number. He is the heart and soul of arguably the best team in the NFL right now, other than Kansas City. He is unstoppable as a runner and a catcher. And of course, I'm talking about Devin Singletary. No, I just like that. No, I'm talking about Alvin Kamara. Dude, he is amazing in every way. He's yeah. the coolest player to watch in the NFL. He looks like he's so... Remember when Le'Veon Bell would like pause and just run like... Yeah, very patient. Oh, he's, he's like honey watching him run. And I'm going to just steal some from Mike Lombardi, who's much smarter than me. Former NFL GM, writes for The Athletic. Here's what he said in his argument that Alvin Kamara should be the MVP. Kamara is the Saints offense. From start to finish, everything the Saints implement begins and ends with how you handle Kamara. Where he is in the formation is the first concern of the opponent's defensive signal caller. If Kamara is lined up in a weird location, like inside the slot with a tight end outside, the matchups must correct or else the check becomes a vanilla coverage. Sean Payton knows Kamara is a nightmare for his opponent, so he moves him around, tapping into his versatility as a playmaker. And with Drew Brees lacking in arm strength and the willingness to throw the ball down the field, the Saints need Kamara to compensate with his ability to make loose plays, break tackles, and rack up yards after the catch. That's why he is uniquely positioned to be like an MVP conversation. Brees can't throw the ball downfield. He can't even really throw it to the wide receivers on every play. Every single play when you watch the Saints, your eyes go to Alvin Kamara. Yeah. I thumbs agree. down, thumbs up. Thumbs up. I agree with that for sure. So who would you guys put higher, Dalvin Cook or Alvin Kamara? Uh, Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook. But you have to understand this. Dalvin Cook thing is not going to last. And Kamara is a, mod- is a 2020 running back. Dalvin Cook's a throwback. Yeah, his rushing yards are gaudy. Kamara pressures the defense every play. And can you imagine taking him off the Saints? The yeah. Vikings are 3-5 and five with Dalvin Cook. I mean, he missed some time. But Alvin, basically, Alvin Kamara is the heart and soul of that offense. Yes, he is by far the best player in that offense. Yes, even, sorry, can't guard Mike. But every running back that goes into that system seems to thrive. Like Latavius Murphy, Murray has had great. He's not exactly Kamara, mm. but he's had some good games. I mean, Mark Ingram was mm. there before him. Mark Ingram but they're in a different role. They're not playing the Kamara role. They're playing the... The compliment to Kamara role, which is you know Latavius Murray's still there. But Mark but, Ingram wasn't prior to that. Well, yeah, no, they do they they do the Kamara's the pass catching running yeah, yeah. back, and Ingram's the pound you home running back. That came out weird, but you guys know <laughs> what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they Kamara is in this sort of what I would call the Christian McCaffrey. Stop laughing, Marvin. <laughs> Are we going to edit that out, or are we going to cut that and send it around on social media? Oh, what, going to pound town? What was that noise you just made? Uh. <laughs> right, we're, we're losing control. we got to get our guests in this week. We're going to change change topics, hear what he has to say. Former Major League Baseball pitcher Brad Ziegler, who's also a fantasy football expert, he's also a Monster Chiefs fan. So we're going to talk about all those topics, and maybe I'll pitch him these five uh, non-quarterback MVPs. See what he says. And you know, you know, he's a Kansas fan too. Aren't they all about pounding the rock? Isn't that an expression? Isn't that a Kansas? No. No. Oh, rock chalk Jayhawk. That's Yeah. <laughs> it's something with rock, but nothing about pounding. Anyway, I'll make a deal, Marvin. You edit that out and we'll edit out where you forgot how to say the word benefit. <laughs> no, I'm keeping that in because I really forgot how to I was like, profit? No, so I got a benefit. free pass. Like, I got something I can say that. <laughs> you know, Kansas Jayhawk, pound the rock. Everybody knows that. Brad's going to jump off in 30 seconds. All right, here comes Brad Ziegler. Before we start, Brad, 
I told I emailed you a bunch of football questions, but I have to ask the best baseball you have behind you, and then I have to ask your Blake <laughs> Snell opinion because everybody needs a Blake Snell opinion. Should they have pulled him? Yeah, I've got a big one. So right, right here in the middle is a Babe Ruth. Oh, ball. that's that's kind of the so that that home plate there. Here, let me. The home plate is like the the twenty one best baseballs I have in my opinion. Okay. And so they they got put in the middle, and then I put Ruth dead center of it. Um, I've got a there's a couple pretty unique balls down here. There's a fifty five Dodgers ball, um, which was the only the only year that um, Jackie Robinson won a World Series, and Sandy Koufax was a rookie that year, and you know wow. Pee Reese and Duke Snyder, a lot of Hall of Famers on that team. Um, and then I've got a 71 Pirates ball, which is the last year Clemente won a World Series. Um, and those are, are among my favorite players. Damn usual. And those two would be my three favorite players, probably. By the way, I want to paint the picture. There's about how many balls are there? 150 on the wall behind you or 200? There are three, 353. Wow. Um, real quick before you get into Blake Snell and the Rays. I, uh, my grandfather had a WizKids 1950 Phillies signed baseball, signed by all of them. Me and my That's cousin awesome. Toby took it out into the driveway and had a full-on catch in third grade, <laughs> like uh, throwing grounders straight at each other. Straight out of the sandlot. That is straight out of the sandlot. I know. And my grandfather came out, and his look on his face, I'm sure you've done that too. I mean, you got to – I think your kids are, are a little bit – wait till they – do not let them get a hold of the memorabilia. Yeah, fortunately, I – like, so when I first started putting the wall together, I had about 700 baseballs. Yeah. And – so we measured out how many cases would fit up there. And, and when we figured out how many was there, I was like, what the heck am I going to do with these extra 350 balls? So I, I donated a bunch to charity. Um, but then the ones that like where people would not like, they wouldn't even know who I was talking about. If I said a name, those have become batting practice balls. So they're, you know, the guys who like, they were a top prospect. They got called up. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to grab this guy's autograph. And then he like spent a month in the big leagues and never came back. And he, yeah, those, those balls have been used for BP for sure. Do you know, uh, if a guy hits a home run off of you, do you like, or do you get, is that a guy you didn't want to get a ball from anymore? Do you hold any grudges at guy? I don't know. Like, was there anyone who like, no, you, you, I, there, owned the ones you? that were, the ones that I held grudges against were the guys who like, I gave up a home run and they only hit like five in their entire career. <laughs> That's you know, like, the worst. <laughs> like, Cody Bellinger got me my last year in Miami. And that was probably the furthest one I gave up in my entire career. And I was like, you know what? He's an MVP candidate and he hit that ball 460 feet. And it wasn't, it wasn't even a strike. It wasn't even a bad pitch. So at that point you just kind of tip your hat, whatever. He's a good dude. But like Corey Spangenberg on the <laughs> Padres got me for his first big league homer and, and like a walk-off homer. Like it was, the, like the most absurd situation because it like it landed in the corner of the fence where the foul pole meet like a, an inch over the wall and I don't think he's homered since then like it's it's that was like in 2014 I think and I think he's still over since then so but you and also that, those those hurt <laughs> you've been a reliever your whole career right so you don't face a lot of pitchers does a pitcher ever hit one off you no, I the only base hit I gave up to a pitcher was Jeff Samarjan. It was an infield hit. Well, yeah, and he's a true athlete, so that it was, makes sense. Right, but the same game right after that, I got my only career hit off of him. Oh wow! And so <laughs> you, you have one yeah, career so hit. It was off Jeff Samarjan. I got one career hit. It was off Jeff Samarjan. Ninety-seven mile an hour fastball. 
you remember him in Notre Dame as a wide receiver, by the way? Because he was a baller. Oh, my God. Yeah, I thought he – I actually – I know, like – I mean, I never saw him pitch in college. I'll say that. So, But I felt like watching him play, like there's no way he could be better at baseball than he was at football. But he made how and, much money in the pros, though, in baseball? Right. And he – and even – I mean, there was some years where he was really good, especially with Chicago before yeah. he got, got traded. And But he – he also chose a sport that's way easier on his body long-term too. So he's, he has a better quality of life to look forward to than he would have had he chosen football. All right, let's transition to football here for a second, Brad. Uh, I have some fantasy questions before we even get into that and talk about your chiefs. I just gave on the podcast a list of five non quarterbacks who I think deserve a legit case to at least be in the MVP conversation. Tell me if you think these five names belong and I'll just run them down real quick. Devonte Adams, DK Metcalf, Aaron Donald, Dalvin Cook, and Alvin Kamara. Do you, uh, which of those guys jumps out to you as being worthy of being in the MVP talk? Um, worthy of it, I would Aaron Donald for sure. Um, but the, I don't know that the Rams are good enough right now. That's the yeah. the biggest issue is how bad his team is. What Alvin Kamara did for the Saints while Michael Thomas was out was pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, it's tough to tough to argue with that. Um. You left a name out that I thought you were going to get to because you brought up the Chiefs. Travis Kelsey has been yes. completely unguardable as a tight end this year. And with Sammy Watkins out, it's he's been so vital to the Chiefs' success. They haven't run the ball like everybody thought they could. And and it's as dominant as he's been. And he's, I mean, he's 30, 31 years old. Like, he's not getting younger. And it feels like he's putting together maybe his best season ever. And um, But you know, from a fantasy standpoint, he, he never gets in the end zone anymore, though. I mean, you don't know. That's true. Like That's he was true. 10 for 159 the other day. I was like, wow, it must be frustrating on some levels to be a Kelsey owner. But yeah, probably, probably. But it's, I mean, you have to, you know, as bad as tight end is overall, yes. he's been so consistent every single week. He's been good. And now with Kittle hurt and Mark Andrews isn't performing and Zach Ertz is hurt. It's like, it's just a wasteland there. It's like yeah. Darren Waller has been okay. And TJ Hawkinson has been okay. And then there's Travis Kelsey, who's head and shoulders above everybody else. And that, to me, um, I would have put Devontae Adams in the same category if he hadn't been hurt and missed a few games. Um, yeah. Because if he had – I think that made Aaron Rodgers actually look better yeah. because of how good the Packers were playing. And he was doing it without um, Adams. And he's had some games without Aaron Jones. And and now he's – you know at least we think we're about to get their full, full cast of players back. And – it's, you know, I don't know how good their defense is, but they don't have to be that good if, yep. if Rodgers is clicking like he is. Let me tell you real quick. I have in my highest money league, I have a dream team this year. I got Kamara. Uh, I have great receivers. Tight end has been a wasteland. And listen to my journey. Drafted Evan Ingram early, then dumped him because he was so disappointed. Now he's coming on. Then got Robert Tunyon, single-handedly won that. He had a Sunday night game that won yeah, me. that Monday we, night game. Then we cut him. Then we tried Richard Rodgers, who's like the second string behind. He's Goddard and Ertz were hurt in Philadelphia. Then this sure. week, oh, God, who did we go to? We tried someone new, and they came up with zero. Oh, you know, we it's just impossible. Like, one week means nothing. It, it really is three guys. It's really Kelsey and then a cliff, especially when Kittle got hurt. Yeah. And then... You know, I don't know. Are you traditionally, do you invest in tight end in your drafts and auctions or do you stay away? Um, not, not typically. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, a lot of the leagues I play in are dynasty leagues, keeper leagues. Yeah. And so if you didn't get a guy at the beginning, you've got to overpay for him. Like I have Kittle in a dynasty league, obviously basically lost him for the year. 
my backup to him was Goddard. Like Goddard's been hurt. Yeah. And so I had to go and grab Logan Thomas and just try to piece together weeks until, you know, until hopefully Goddard comes back this week after the bye and, and he's ready to go. He came back the week before the bye and had one catch for like 10 yards or something. I know. Oh, the Eagles drive me crazy. That's not going to get it done. I need, I need a little more out of that. I came in one day, by the way, after Logan Thomas completed 11 passes on a preseason game. I'm like, Dan, I've seen the future of quarterback. And now he's like, (laughs) now he's a guy I'm eyeing a tight end in the the draft. Okay. uh, You are, you probably have anyone I know the biggest Chiefs fan. Uh, Two, two Chiefs questions. First, are the Chiefs better or worse than last year? Um, I think at this point in the season, they are better than they were at this point in the season last year. Okay. Um, couple reasons. Number one, their defense has been pretty good most of the year this year. They've, they struggled against Carolina Sunday, but you know, McCaffrey was really good. Bridgewater was really good. Um, Carolina's offense is loaded and they're, they're extremely well coached. Like I was really impressed that that's a team that I think in about a year or two is, is going to be knocking on the door of the NFC. Um, they just need to do some stuff defensively. They have nothing on the defensive end. Um, but the, the chief defense has played better. I think Mahomes has even, you know, the last two games he's gone off just crazy yeah. numbers, nine touchdowns. And, but oh, just overall in the season, he's got 25 touchdowns, one pick yep. and he's just playing smarter. He's not forcing the ball downfield like he used to in the past. He's just taking what teams give him and, and he's okay with a 220 yard, two touchdown day. And that disappoints fantasy owners. And he doesn't care if they win. He doesn't like, he, he really doesn't care. And I think it's a big sign of maturity because two years ago when, you know, we were first starting and chucking five touchdowns a game, it seemed like um, he forced a lot of balls and got away with a lot, but also like, you know, had a lot more interceptions. And I think he's just learned the value of taking care of the ball a lot more as he's matured as a quarterback. And, um, you know, between that and, and I, you know, their defense really came on in the second half last season, and I'm hoping they will make that, that same jump this year. Um, they, they're going into the bye week now, so they've got some time to, to get healthy and hopefully get Legereus Sneed back. He was really good for him the first couple of weeks as a cornerback um, and, and just make him a little deeper on the outside, but they, I do think they're better. Um, it's going to be a big loss um, when they lose Eric B after this year. Yeah. He's, he's uh I don't know how he hasn't been coaching the last two years. He's gotten interviews and hasn't been selected and maybe he's just a bad interview, but at some point, like you have to let what happens on the field do the talking and, and live with the fact that he may not be a great press conference coach, you know, like it, yeah. it's at the same time, like he's going to make your team better. And, um, but they've got Mike Kafka as their quarterback's coach. And yep. I know he's really close with Mahomes, And I think he's probably the OC in waiting and also the heir apparent to Andy Reed. Um, you know, after a few years at OC when Reed decides he's done. God, I, you know, as an Eagles fan, I love just seeing those old backup Eagles quarterbacks just running the league. Uh, we had a discussion on Dan Patrick show today. Would Patrick Mahomes be a star if the Jets had taken him at number six in 2017? They took Jamal Adams. Then I guess four picks later, Mahomes went. Would he be a star in New York? Um, Probably, but I don't know that they'd have won a Super Bowl. I, you know, he, he, I think he would be a guy that they could definitely build around and be like, Hey, you know what? We, we have our quarterback. Now let's go find some pieces because he probably would have put up a year of like 35 touchdowns and 10 interceptions, which is better than any Jets quarterback has in like a decade. Try 20 interceptions. That that alone would be enough for them to be like, you know what? He's in New York and he's not 
terrible, so therefore he's going to be a star. And at the same time, like at the moment Adam Gase goes there, you just never know. Like it feels like he just wrecked every single player that goes into there. And and like I don't know Adam Gase at all. I you know he he may be a great guy, but I like he's got a track record now that between Miami and New York that you just can't feel like he's going to continue being a head coach in the NFL. And um, the Jets are looking like they're going to get whatever choice of quarterbacks they want out of the, out of the college ranks right now. And if, if that happens, then who they pick for coach is going to be vital because the development of that quarterback is going to decide everything for that franchise going forward. Well, I saw on your Twitter bio that you're a Clemson football fan. Is this true? And uh, did that just appear on your Twitter bio after they won the title and got the in their perennial? <laughs> like, uh, were you a Kansas fan? I know you're a Kansas basketball fan. So this feels yeah, awfully so convenient, Brad. Let's explain the connection. That's fair. That's fair. So I actually became a Clemson fan solely because of some some press conferences I saw of Dabo Sweeney. Okay. And when I And I was like, you know what? Like, I love the way this guy is teaching these guys to be men and and leaders in the community not just good football players it's not just about football and i respected a lot of what he said and you know he said some things i definitely don't agree with um he's he said a lot of things i do agree with but i i've i look at him as a different he's just different than other college coaches to me and so i became a clemson fan before i ever even realized like what kind of program they had or where, where he was coming from on stuff. I just liked, I didn't, I used to never watch college football, like literally never. Um, part of that was probably because Kansas's football team is so bad. Like they're, yeah. they've been terrible for, you know, ever since the early 2000s. And um, so I, I never, the team that I would want to follow has never been good and I never got into it. And, and, but Clemson, like, I felt like Dabo gave me a reason to watch. And then I started seeing some of the players come out. Like in fairness, I was a fan I didn't have it in my Twitter bio, but I was a Clemson fan before Deshaun Watson was even there. So it, it's not like, oh, this has only been the last you know five years. But um, <laughs> they have they have been on a really good run. I'll say that, and they're a lot of fun to watch. But yeah, if Trevor um, texted you, Trevor Lawrence, our friend, and said, "Should I go to the Jets?" What would you advise him? Absolutely. Okay. Like the there the opportunity that exists to be a successful Jets quarterback is almost unlike any in the NFL, like mm. from a market standpoint, from a, uh, even just a, like a building a brand. Like there's, I mean, there's just so much opportunity there and you know, there's a passionate fan base and you have owners that definitely want to win. They just haven't put the right pieces together. If he does go there and like, number one, he's going to get enough money in his first contract to probably retire on if he, if it doesn't work out. But if he does work out and he becomes the guy there, I mean, you talk about a legend. Like he's, I mean, it's, they haven't really had anybody great since Joe Namath. Like it's, yep. there's been decent quarterbacks come through and then there's been really bad ones. And it's, it's, I think the opportunity there is tremendous. I think he's got a really good head on his shoulders. He's, he's got a mindset of, you know, totally fine with being the face of college football and stepping out and, and, the social justice stuff in the summer, um, whether you agree with it or not, he had no problem getting out front and, and being a big part of that. And that's what, that's the personality you have to have to be successful in New York. That's right? interesting. By the way, uh, I, if I were you, Brad, as a Chiefs fan, as a former Eagles fan, whatever Andy Reid's going to try when it comes to game management, <laughs> there's going to be a game <laughs> where it is not going to work. Are you prepared for that? Yeah. It was amazing I, that he didn't what? get in the way of the Super Bowl run. And it's, it has, 
I think that has improved actually with Mahomes. And I think it actually even improved the last year of Alex Smith's tenure there. Okay. They, they made it an emphasis to get the play in faster. And you could see, cause right away, like Mahomes will be, he'll throw a pass. And if it's not a touchdown, he will immediately like, they'll go back to him and he's already got his hands on his ears. Like they already know the next play they're going to call. Yep. And it, it used to, I think it used to be, let's see what play happens and then we'll figure out what play we're going to call. Mm. And so then he's looking through his chart and he loses five to 10 seconds trying to figure out what play he's going to call. Right. Then he's got to call it in whatever it's there. They've just made it more efficient now. And like to the point where they're getting to the end, the two minute warning in every half and not, and having all three timeouts left. I like, it is mind blowing compared to where it was like five years ago with them because they used to waste timeouts nonstop in this first, second quarter yep. and or the early in the third quarter. And it's like, you got nothing left at the end of the game when you need it because you didn't get to play in in time. And at some point, someone along the way suggested this idea and they've made it work. And it's not, I don't feel like it's an issue right now. He's, he's even gotten to the point where like in, in 2018, there were games where they were winning in the second half and they got super conservative mm -hmm. handoff handoff you know throw on third and long and it didn't work punt the ball away and they they let teams back in the game the last two years they've just been stepping on teams throats when they've got them down and and taking a 12 point lead and making it a, a you know 27 point lead by you know the end of the next quarter and that didn't used to be the mentality and something has changed like i don't Maybe it's just because he's having fun with Mahomes and it's not fun to watch him hand off anymore. I don't know, but it's... But we are coming off something. a Panthers game where some things were mismanaged. Like if Teddy Bridgewater... No, I thought, yeah, no by the way, Teddy Bridgewater was totally got panicked by the clock. They should have won that game because he was trying to get plays in fast. That's the other thing. The Chiefs, yeah. why do they always play from 13 points? Now? They're like, they spotted the Panthers a couple <laughs> of touchdowns. You know, obviously the famous Texans game. So there is something to that too. You know how you don't blow a lead? fall behind 24 nothing and then hit the gas yeah then you can't blow a lead yeah because yeah. you feel like you got to step on it the whole way yeah. yeah they that is a that is i mean it happened last year too um not just in the playoffs but um with tennessee yeah. early in the early in the season they were up two touchdowns on tennessee and let them back into it and and they won it right at the end on a on a i think it was a long field goal maybe right at the end of the game and but either way it was just the the mentality has changed and i think i do think mahomes has something to do with that because i i think mm. i think reed respects him like yes. crazy to the point where like he even lets i've heard him mention before he lets mahomes do a lot of the game planning let mm. early play scripting and that kind of stuff and now granted their defense struggles early in games but they do a pretty good job of making adjustments down the road and allowing the offense to get back in the game um there were some years back when like when peyton manning was in denver it didn't matter how good the Chiefs offense was. Like, yeah. Their defense was not going to force a punt. If they didn't get a random turnover, the Chiefs were going to lose the game. And you don't get that feeling now. Like you just, you get down 13, nothing early or whatever. And you're like, ah, we're good. You know, like, yeah. I don't, it's not, you know, not ideal, but it's also, you know, it's, you, you don't yeah. feel like we're out of anything now. Well, it's not genius play calling when my, I root for, you know, I'm friendly with Case Keenum. And when he took over the Broncos, the Broncos were rolling, won their first two games. They were about to beat the Chiefs. They got them in third and 30. And then Mahomes throws a left-handed first down or something. Like <laughs> there, there's certain magic that he does that defies all coaching. So, you know, like you said, you're not only is the, the, the systematic role, but like, he's just incredible too. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's, and just mentally, like he's, yeah. 
he's he's just so sharp yeah um that he you know he's just at least right now you know he's 25 so but but he's not complacent like he's totally he just yeah. always working harder trying to come up with new stuff to make him better like they ran the a little is a one yard play from the just in you know just outside the goal line where like Mahomes went in motion and yeah. caught the snap in motion. I don't know if you saw that this last that week. Was just, yeah, crazy, crazy one yard touchdown. It's like I, I texted one of my buddies. I'm like, I guarantee one of the players came up with that play. Like, hmm. like, hey, what if Mahomes did this? Like, that's not something a, a 65 year old coach comes up with. That's something that like a 20 year old who's played video games comes up with. And but but the 65 year old coach says. I like it. Like if we can get the timing down, let's do it. And you know, who knows who, who actually came up with it. I mean, they, they ran the play in the Super Bowl last year that they came out of like the 1948 Rose Bowl or yeah. where the, you know, it's, they, they just don't care at this point. Like if they're, they're creative and they are looking for any way. And if a play doesn't work, they scrap it and find something else. And um, it's amazing. They just, you know, are watching 70 years of, of football film to find plays that amazing. no one might be looking for. All right, uh, last question. I'll let you go. Quick fantasy one I have on my team. Listen to this. Last week, I was looking at Chase Edmonds, Deontay Johnson, Steelers wide receiver, and Ezekiel Elliott. I benched Elliott, and I'm not looking back. I'm not putting him back in my lineup. Do you, do you see anything there? What do, I don't know if you own any Elliott anywhere, but it, he's doing nothing for me. Yeah, I, I don't, um, fortunately, but that's so much of that. Like, even when Dak was was there and playing well, they were trailing so bad in every game and having to pass to come back. And as good as their wide receivers are, they don't have to use Elliott in the passing game anymore. Um, so it's, it's just the game flows aren't there. Now with that gone, they've got no shot to be like this last week when they were beating the Steelers going into the fourth quarter, like everybody was like, there's no way this is real, but like, how did this even happen in the first place? Because Dallas, like they were two touchdown dogs and they should have not been in that game at all. And now you get the feeling like that they might have kind of blown their wad that, yeah. <laughs> that in that game, and now they're going to go back to losing by by three touchdowns. But um, I, for the rest of this year, I, I have no problem trying to trade Elliott based on name value. I definitely wouldn't drop him, um, you know, no. just because he's going to get scooped up right away. But also, um, I, it's not anybody I have confidence playing down down the stretch. And um, I feel the same way. You you asked me to give a couple guys um, to to trade away. The, the two names that came to mind for me are are Jerry Judy and Tyler Lockett. Oh, um, yeah. For I, different uh, reasons. I own a lot of Judy. So that's a great, yeah, so, great one. So the Broncos have a brutal stretch um, for wide receivers in the second, the last seven games mm-hmm. here um, as you go into the fantasy playoffs. So, but Judy's coming off a monster game. Best game of his career so far. I think right now is the best time to try to trade him. Um, I mentioned Lockett. Lockett had the one massive blow up week after their bye week. Yeah. But outside of that, the last, so his last five games, he's been the wide receiver 72, the wide receiver 53, huh. the wide receiver one, the wide receiver 58, and the wide receiver 64. Like this is DK Metcalf or bust right now. And, yeah. and, you know, Russ is playing great. And it doesn't mean that Lockett can't have some good games down the stretch, but the Seahawks schedule isn't that favorable for, for wideouts either. It's just different when you're trying to guard Tyler Lockett as opposed to trying to guard a massive physical freak that's faster than everybody else on the field in DK Metcalf. Like, it doesn't matter how good your D-backs are. Metcalf's tough to guard if you're not yeah. double-teaming him. Um, Lockett can be covered, and that to me is the, the big difference there. Um, but who'd then you, on the on Yeah, the who would you pick Converse, up? Guys, yeah, guys I would try to go after. So I'm, I'm looking at guys right now who are hurt 
have missed a couple games and maybe looking at teams like at the, um, they maybe have bye week issues coming up where they need to get some pieces in the lineup just for starters. So Aaron Jones to me would be the top of my list. He's, I, you know, a lot of owners may have soured on him because he's been out a couple games. Um, you know, he's obviously elite. Miles Sanders, same way. Like Sanders was so good down the stretch last year. And he's just the fact that he hasn't, hadn't been playing. He's coming off a of bye week. Like maybe his owner has forgotten a little bit of how good he is. And you might be able to get him for a little bit better than what you could have five weeks ago. How about Zeke for Miles Sanders straight up? I don't want. I would take the Sanders side all day. So you know, you I would too. Logically, that it's hard. It's hard because I invested so much in getting Zeke. I mean, that's just a bottom line, and the name is so. What about like Zeke for James Robinson? Yeah, I know on paper. I want. I I don't think the James Robinson owner is going to do that. They're flying high right now. I know that dude. You know, (laughs) but uh, yeah, you're right on paper. (laughs) Yeah, the other thing is like Miles Sanders is a guy too. Like one game, boom, he gets hurt. And I feel like the Eagles, the entire Eagles offense, boom, you get hurt. So I just don't know. All right, Brad, yeah. uh, I really appreciate and, the time. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I was just a couple more quick names. Yeah. Chris Carson and Miles Gaskin, same situation. Yeah. They've both been hurt. Gaskin's oh. on the IR right now, but he's he's like two is showing he can do it. So yeah. grab his running back because he's going to get a chance. I think, by the way, the Seahawks should start running Chris Carson more because, like, the interceptions are kind of hurting them. So, anyway, uh, yeah. all right, I'm going to hit you up later in the season too because I have, I am, awesome. I'm sitting. Have you ever had that year where you're in like you're sitting on the team, and I'm so nervous, like, like your Chiefs. Right now. <laughs> I have your Chiefs, and I'm like, I can't screw this up. But you know how much changes between Week Nine and Week 15 or 16, especially this year. This year is crazy. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to hit you up again for advice. But I really appreciate it, Brad. Love your man, Cave. I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. That was Brad Ziegler, former Major League pitcher, longtime reliever, and fantasy football expert, as you could tell. Great dude. Marvin, I mean, in a million years, are are you or I ever going to get a man cave like that? Oh, that's the easy answer. No. Yeah. No, there's no chance. Um... Yeah, well, that's what a, a long MLB career will do for you. Let's just live through the Dan Patrick show yeah. because the place that we come to work every day. So it's kind of like ours. Yeah, that's a great point. Like, I that's funny. Like, I don't have that, like, desire to get that kind of man cave. Like, that's not even in my mindset because I have it. Mm-hmm. We all have it. And the and the viewers, too. Well, it's not going to be I was going to say, maybe not. They go to their office. Yeah. We come here. Yeah, but they get to watch it. It's not the same. No, that's why... It's better being us. Don't tell Dan. All right. This is Against the Grain. Uh, Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Against the Grain. Against the Grain. Against the Grain.